We're turning to God's precious word, to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John and chapter 6. In John 6, you have one of the seven miracles that John records that the miracle the Savior performed. He performed many more, but John specifically records seven miracles. John's Gospel, chapter 6. Been reading through the Old Testament, and this week I was coming to Numbers 11. It's the Old Testament book that should be read along, uh, well, Numbers 11, that chapter, should be read along with John 6, because in Numbers 11 you have the story of the manna. Remember how the people cried for bread, and God sent uh, in the morning, they got up, and there was manna. They didn't know what it was, so they said, what is it? What is it? Manna. That's what the manna means. And so that name stuck. And manna, heavenly bread, God provided them for the 40 years of their wandering. Every Jew knew that story. Every Jew knew how Moses, under God, prayed and the bread came. The Lord Jesus Christ in John 6, when there's a great company of people, 5,000, he took the five loaves and he multiplied them and the whole crowd was fed and there were 12 baskets over. Wonderful miracle, wonderful miracle. The next day, the people return. And we're going to break into the chapter and read part of the sermon that the Savior gave. And in this sermon, he compares what he had just performed with a story that they knew about their ancestors, how manna came from heaven. And he used that story to preach the gospel to them. Verse 35 John 6, verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. Then drop down, please, with me to verse 47. It would be good to read the whole chapter, but obviously for time. Verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth in me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. 
This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Amen. May God bless this reading of his own infallible word for... Men, let us turn in our Bibles to John chapter 6, this great sermon that our Saviour preached. The sad thing is, if you take time to read down the chapter, 5,000 people there were fed. They come back the next day. Saviour preached, the greatest preacher ever, gave the invitation to come to him. Read down the chapter. They all left went away. They said, this is a hard saying. And he turned to the twelve. Will you also go away? Will you also go away? The answer was, where can we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. How sad even the Lord Jesus Christ himself preaching to thousands. But the vast, vast majority rejected his offer of salvation. Trust that will not be true even tonight. We read in John chapter 6, you'll see there the great phrase, John 6 verse 35, just that phrase, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Heaven's bread for your need. Heaven's bread for your spiritual eternal need. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we do thank thee for the record we have in the word of God, that we have the Bible in our own language, and we can read this account that John wrote under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We pray as we think upon this great statement of our Savior, that thou would indeed open it up to us, and Lord, that thou would speak to us and show us more about our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to make the way of the gospel clear and plain that Christ receive us sinful men. So bless us, we pray, in our Saviour's name. Amen. My wife and I live in Moira, and a few weeks ago, uh, I like to walk up the town, or village, I should say, and uh, I passed a building. It didn't look like a shop, uh, but there was quite a crowd. Oh, I suppose about 15 people queued up, and I wasn't sure what it was. So I come back, and being nosy, asked what it was, and they said, well, it's a new French bakery has opened. It only opened on a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and uh, it's French, and they're French bread. And uh, usually those mornings you see people queued up. That makes two new bread shops opened in our village in the last year. Bread. You ever thought about bread? My, what would life be like without Bread. It used to be when I was a child, it was much easier shopping. I'd get sent to the shop for a loaf of bread. Is it plain or pan? Is it plain or pan? If you go to a supermarket now and look down the shelves of some of the large stores, my, the variety, the sizes, the shapes, the colors, I suppose, too, you could say, and all the different types of bread that you see there, brown bread, white bread, granary bread, low-sugar bread, high-sugar bread, bread for friends who have celiac uh, and can't eat the regular bread. You have um, the rye bread, healthy bread, and so on. You even have bread for compromisers. You ever noticed it? I noticed it in the shop. 
The bread for compromisers, 50-50. <laughs> they don't know what they are. But anyway, it's good if I've tasted it. <laughs> All types of bread. You know, when you go into the shop and take bread, you should think about the gospel. Because the Lord used bread to preach. Now, bread was a common substance in the Savior's day. It was the main staple of their diet. The history tells us that Jews at that period would often eat bread in the morning along with a form of yogurt or cheese. Lunchtime, they would eat it along with vegetables and maybe a little bit of meat or fish. At evening, they would eat a piece of bread along with some vegetables. So bread was the main diet. Oftentimes, it was unleavened bread. Young people, if you're not sure what unleavened bread is, I suppose you'd think about a cracker. Uh, you know, some of those raivitas. I'm sure you know what raivita is. It's very good when you're on a diet. It's great between two slices of buttered soda, isn't it? But unleavened bread, that was a lot of the bread they ate. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the day after, he had taken those five loaves and multiplied them so that all the people could eat as much as they would. He, the people return, and he's preaching, and he uses a simple illustration of the people receiving the bread and eating it. And just let's pause there. It's not a wonderful lesson to every one of us seeking to witness for Christ. What a special lesson it is to Sunday school teachers, to children's workers, to youth workers and even among those who have no understanding of scriptural truth, is to use simple illustrations. Because the Savior did. When he spoke to a woman at a well, do you know how he started the conversation? He talked about water. One day when he met fishermen who were casting the net or mending their nets, do you know what he spoke to them about? Fishing. <laughs> Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And the Savior used this simple illustration that they could understand about bread. And in the midst of a sermon, he tells them, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Now remember, the background is the feeding of the 5,000. It's recorded in all four Gospels. A miracle that was witnessed by thousands of people. What a tremendous miracle. Why is it recorded? Why is it recorded there? Well, you don't have to speculate. Many years ago, when I was a minister way down in Clocker Valley, I remember traveling to church and the radio was on as we made our way. And I just heard a snippet of the morning service on Radio Ulster. It was actually a bishop speaking. And this is what he actually said. We don't know what happened here, whether it was some sort of magic trick, not blasphemous. Or whether when the little boy took out his lunch, the other people realized that they had been greedy and they brought their lunches out. Strange, there were 12 baskets over. He said, it's not important. It may have been a miracle. That's not important. God recorded it in the Bible so that we would learn not to be greedy and to share our food with the needy and starving around the world. No. No. That's not why this story is in the Bible. Of course, there are many passages, Old and New Testament, that challenge we who are Christians to the need of those who are starving. Of course, we ought to show that compassion. But that is not why this story is recorded. Why do I say that? Because the writer tells us why he wrote it. John chapter 20, verse 31. 
John chapter 20, verse 31. He said he recorded specific signs. You get that in chapter 20 and verse 30. Certain signs, not them all. Christ did many, many more miracles, but you couldn't write them all. But John says, this is why I recorded this miracle and the others. And verse 31, it tells us here, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. That's why the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is recorded. So that you would believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He is the Son of God, and he's able to save you, and he's able to give you eternal life. That's why it's recorded. They're not just interesting miracles to tell us a story. They're miracles with a meaning. Now, the people the day before saw the miracle. They witnessed it. They took the bread, but they missed the meaning. They saw the sign but they miss the significance. Oh, tonight, don't miss the meaning of the feeding of the 5,000. It's recorded in the Bible so that tonight, if you as yet don't know Christ as Savior, that you will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him, for he is eternal life. That's why it's recorded. So, we're in the passage where we read earlier. It's the next day. The people return. And the Lord Jesus Christ gives this great statement in verse 35. You see that? He says, I am the bread of life. And he said, the hungry. See that in verse 35? He said, he that cometh to me shall never hunger. That speaks of the people's need. The people had a need, hunger. The day before, they'd been hungry physically. Now, maybe you wonder why there was 5,000 people. That's a crowd. Because where the miracle was uh, performed just outside Bethsaida, we're told. It wouldn't have been that many people. Well, we're told in verse 4 of the chapter, it was the time of the Passover. And every Jew in those days, every Jewish man, often the wives and children would come to, were to travel to the temple at the time of the Passover. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was 12 years of age, traveled with Mary and Joseph three days' journey from Galilee all the way to Jerusalem. So thousands of the Israelites are on the move. They're on the move to Jerusalem and back. It's the time when there's thousands. That's why there's thousands gathered. And that's why they became hungry. They'd listen to the Savior all day, and it's coming towards even. And you know the story. I don't need to go into it how the lunch was brought, Andrew brought the little lad, and so on. The bread was multiplied, and the Lord took care of their physical need. He had compassion on their physical need, and we ought to have compassion on people's physical needs. Of course we ought. But he also saw their spiritual need. And so the next day, you'll read in verse 26 of the chapter that we've just looked at, chapter 6, he tells them, you're only following me for bread. That's really why they come back the next day. They wanted to see the spectacular. They wanted free bread. And in verse 27, what he basically says is, what's more important than physical bread is the spiritual. Labor for the food or the meat that doesn't perish. Labor for spiritual things. 
We can be so taken up with the material, the physical, living from day to day. And of course we have to. Of course we have to have employment and money and live. But that fades into insignificance as to making preparation for eternity. That's what our Savior means. So he tells them, don't be so concerned about physical bread. Be more concerned about spiritual things. And I, I'm the spiritual bread. I am the bread of life. That's what he's saying. You see, the spiritual is more important than the physical. Because what does it matter in the end of the day whether you ate lovely bread, what type of bread you ate, whether you had a lovely home, and I hope you do, whether you drove a nice car, and I hope you do, and whether you, whether you have nice clothes and a good bank balance. What does it matter when you're sick, you go to a good GP surgery, and when you need hospitalization, you go to a very clean, modern hospital. And we thank God for the medical care we have in this land compared to so many others. But what does all these things matter? If you die and you're buried in a lovely casket in a beautiful graveyard, but waking up in eternity without Christ. That's the lesson the Savior is seeking to get to these people. The spiritual is more important. Eternity is more important than the material things. The Savior supplied for their physical need, hunger, by a miracle. And thank God the Lord has provided for your spiritual need and eternal need by a miracle. The miracle of Calvary. The miracle of Christ taking our place at the cross. You see, you need a miracle spiritually to be in heaven. You need a miracle to receive eternal life. I may have told this before in this church, but in one of our congregations of the day we're leaving, a young man, probably late teens, early 20s, asked to see me, brought up in the church, and so on, and came in, and I said, well, what is it? Mentioned his name. He was a bit shy, and I said, well, are you saved? He said, well, Mr. Johnson, everybody thinks I am. He came to the youth fellowship as Family were office bearers and so on in the church. Came to all the services. Good young lad. And then he said, people think I am. And I've made many professions. But recently I've realized I do not know Christ personally. And then he said this, which I'll never forget. Mr. Johnson, I need the Lord to do a miracle in my life. Not tremendous. <laughs> I need to. What did I say? All I said, well, well, let's ask him. You ask him. He will. You ask him. You see, God, the Lord, performed a miracle. Physical bread for the people's hunger. The Lord Jesus Christ is the miraculous one. He is the bread of life for your spiritual need. Ah, but. God has provided your need in Christ. That's the point. The people are in need, but God has provided it in the person of Christ. That's the person. In him. In him. Look at this. I am the bread of life. Heaven's bread for your spiritual need. Quickly, notice verse 32. He's the true bread. 
Verse 51, he is the living bread. Verse 33, the bread of sacrifice, living bread sacrifice. And then the bread, sorry, verse 33, the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life. Our text, verse 35, the bread of life, of life. Now that's not existence. The Lord isn't saying you'll live forever or exist forever. That's not what it means. You see, there's not a time, there was a time when you were not. You didn't exist. But there never will be a time when any of us will cease to exist. All of us will live forever in the sense of existence. But when it says, I am the bread of life, it means spiritual life, eternal life. It means a different life than the physical. It means Christ living within you. He is eternal life. It's speaking about the the quality of life, not the uh, duration of it. It's speaking about the quality. You get spiritual life through Christ. How? How is Christ the provision as the bread for spiritual eternal life? Well, the Lord used the illustration of the manna. Every Jew knew that. Every Jew knew the story. Of course they did. They were taught it from childhood. So the Lord reminded them, Moses gave you that bread. Now, of course, it was through God. But he said, Moses gave you that bread. But he said, I'm the true bread. That man in the wilderness, it's only an illustration of me. It's there recorded in Numbers 11 and Exodus 16 to point to me. I'm the true bread. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Now, how is manna a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, if you know about the manna, it's a picture of the Savior in his birth. The manna came from heaven during the night. It was called bread from heaven. It came from heaven. People didn't see it coming. Few people saw the Lord Jesus Christ's birth. Very few came at night, as it were. He came down. And it's not a wonderful picture there. The Savior was born where? Where was the Savior born? Beth, Lehem, the house of bread. Isn't that tremendous? The one who said, I am the bread of life, his birthplace was the house of bread. Was that a coincidence? Of course not. Do you know the coming of the manna when you read about it is associated with the glory of God? What did they sing when the Savior was born? Glory to God in the highest. But the manna is also a symbol of Christ in his being, his person. You read about the manna, you will find the, the different characteristics of, of that manna. It's really amazing. You will read, it was white, speaks of Christ's purity. It was round, speaks of his perfection. It tasted like honey wafers. That speaks of the pleasantness and loveliness of our Savior. It was like bdellium. That's a precious stone. Oh, the preciousness of the Savior. There was oil upon it. Speaks of the power of the Savior. Oh, you go on and examine the manna. What a wonderful picture it is of Christ in his person, in his birth, in his being, but also in his bruising and baking. The people didn't go and lift the manna off the ground and eat it. No. They had to grind it in the mill. 
or on a mortar. This is what you do with the wheat or the rye, whatever the grain. It's ground into a flower. And that's what they had to do with the manna that God provided from heaven. And the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a symbol of his, what he did for us. Remember Isaiah 53? He was bruised for our iniquities. The Lord hath bruised him. And you think of the crushing between the mills of God's judgment against our sin. And then it had to be baked in pans in the oven. People didn't just eat manna off the ground. It had to be baked like bread. You ladies, when you make the bread, the cake is put in the oven. What's that to do with Christ? It's all pointing to the Savior. That's why I said, when you eat the slices of bread, maybe you have toast in the morning, think, think of the gospel. Why? You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's the corn of wheat, he calls himself in John 12. But he, he's ground, as it were. He's crushed. And how was he baked? Well, in Scripture, fire is a symbol of God's judgment and wrath. And I deserve that judgment. Hell is described by the Savior himself as fire, unquenchable fire. And the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary, to be the bread of life, the spiritual bread that I need, he went into the oven of God's wrath that ought to have been fallen upon me. He endured the flames of hell for me. That's the gospel. He took the place of we sinners. And therefore, he said, I'm the bread of life. Come to me. You can eat. Oh, how wonderful a picture the Lord Jesus Christ provided for us. The people had a need. The provision of that need is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, but how do you partake? How do you partake? You see, there can be a slice of bread sitting on the table, but you need to take it, not look at it. How do you partake of this bread? How do you partake of Christ? How do you come to him for salvation? Well, look at our text in verse 35. I am the bread of life. We've explained how he became that bread for us. He that cometh to me, he that believeth on me. How do you receive Christ as the spiritual bread into your life? You believe on him. You come to him. And it's so simple. So simple. Think back to the man in the wilderness when it fell around the camp outside. It was available to everybody. And it was attainable by everybody. Whoever wanted it could come and get it. And it's not the gospel invitation, whosoever will may come. The Lord Jesus Christ tonight is available. You can be saved. You can receive Christ, for Christ receives a sinful man. But I've done this, or I've that. Or... Come, just come. Take, partake, receive. But they had to come and take it for themselves. Isn't it wonderful? Salvation explained so, so simply. The day before, those men, women, and children had taken the bread from the disciples, handed out, and had eaten it. They'd taken it. It doesn't just sit on the plate. Now, notice very carefully in your Bible, this is very important, verse 
51. Just note this. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man, note this, eat, eat of this bread, he shall live live forever. See that? Look at verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat, note that word, eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink his blood. You see that word, eat? Now, we don't need to go back to school for whole grammar lessons, but just point this out. It's what they call a completed action. It's a once-for-all completed action. In other words, don't keep on eating. It's eat. It's once-for-all. In other words, you come, you do it, it's over. It's once-for-all. That's the connotation of the original language. What it means is it's a once-for-all. You see, you come to Christ And when you come to him and take Christ and believe in Christ, then he becomes the bread of life to you and you get eternal life. Why? Because eternal life is in him. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Immediately you take Christ. It's called here eating. Immediately you take him. You have eternal life because you have Christ. That's what is pointing out. That's what is pointing out come freely. Now, he talks here about eating his flesh. You just have to deal with that just very quickly. Our Roman Catholic Mass isn't our subject uh, for this evening. In fact, uh, I don't know how true it is, but I was told just today, talking to someone, that uh, some survey in America said 70% of Roman Catholics don't believe in the real presence in the Mass anymore. You see, maybe some may not be aware of what the Roman Catholic Mass teaches, there's the actual bo- the wafer turns into the actual body of Christ. Some years ago, not too many years ago, I remember recording it, a documentary on our television here in Northern Ireland, and I wrote down the words from it afterwards. They interviewed young eight-year-olds in West Belfast who were going to take their first communion. It's a big thing in Roman Catholic culture, if you know that. If you, my brother-in-law was a, is a converted Roman Catholic. He's now about 80. That was, he's Colombian. But any of you from Roman Catholic background or know those who are. And it actually showed you a nun telling children in a school in Belfast. This is what she said. Children, 2,000 years ago, Christ took bread and said, This is my body. And when you hear the priest repeating those words, The bread is no longer bread, but it becomes Jesus. Now, boys and girls, that's hard to believe. Well, it is. (laughs) That's hard to believe. But we have to keep saying, Lord, I believe. And you will take Jesus into your body for the first time. And then he interviewed a little boy. And they said about his experience, he said, I took Jesus into my body and I was given 465 pounds in gifts from relatives and friends. Because you know, it's a big thing in the culture. How sad. It's not talking about that. It's not talking about literature, you say, but it speaks here about it. Yes, it's an illustration. You see, just as you see the bread and the plate, to make it yours, you have to reach out the hand. You have to take it. It becomes part of you. What the Lord is saying, it's not enough to know that Christ saves. You have to exercise faith. You have to take him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He has to become yours. That's what it's talking about. It doesn't mean a literal 
carnal eating doesn't mean anything like that at all. That's the whole point of it. And you see, remember what happened? The day before, the people just reached out the hand, they took the bread, they took the bread. It's amazing that those people were keen to get the bread, physical bread, the day before, but when Christ offered himself to come and partake of him, they went away. They went away. Now, wouldn't it be foolish when the disciples went round with the baskets? Could you imagine somebody sitting there saying, no, I'm not taking it. I pay for what I eat. I don't want free bread. I'm not going to take it. Or, no, give it to people more hungry than me. I don't want it. You say, that wouldn't happen. You'd be going. Yet people do that with the gospel. Maybe you're doing that tonight. You know Christ is the only saviour. But yet, you're not taking him. You're not trusting him. You're not reaching out of the hand of faith. You're not receiving him into your life. You're not, you're not believing in him. Or imagine, a very, I know this is a very simple illustration, but I believe this is at the core of what the Savior is saying here to these people. You go to someone's house, they invite you for tea, and they say, there's a plate of sandwiches. Oh, I just love one. Oh, I would, oh I'm so hungry. I would just, but you just sit there. You say, well, take one. I, 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 I. What would you do? You'd reach out your hand. Well, why do you not do that with Christ? Christ invites you to come. Why do you not come? That's the question. Why do you not come to him for Savior? I remember some years ago, I'm talking about free bread now. I <laughs> can never forget my mum was living with us at that time. She was 91, I think, or so. And Christmas Eve, we took her for a short walk. And of course, where do you take a lady for a walk? The shops. <laughs> so Christmas Eve, mid-afternoon, go round the shop. We came to the checkout and they made an announcement. Because it's Christmas, the shop will be closed. All the bread on the shelves are, is free. Take as much as you want. Well, you, you know what happened, don't you? <laughs> it was almost a stampede. And people were lifting pancakes and bread. And there was a couple I'll never forget. They were literally walking like this, a man and wife, with loaves to hear, out into the back of a van. And they come back in again. And the man turned, he said, it's for the cattle. <laughs> so I don't know, you farmers will have to tell me whether they eat bread or not. But yes, we took some as well. Free bread. Never forget that scene. And yet, Christ is offered freely in the gospel and people don't come. I remember in Armagh, it was just shortly before I left the city of Armagh, in the town one day I got talking to, obviously, someone from another country, turned out, turned out to be from India. And I said to him, oh, what's your name? He said, Steve Lazarus. I said, well, that's a good Bible name. Do you know the story? He said, of course I do. I'm a Christian. There's part of India in the South especially where they'd be believers. He said, well, I'm a believer. And we got talking to him. He's actually over here with a contract to play cricket. And I got speaking to him and I asked him, do you know any famous Indian evangelists in history? He said, oh, I've heard of some of them. Well, I mentioned to him Sundar Singh. 
you ever read about his books, it's tremendous. Sundar Singh uh, had been converted. He worked there. He was Indian, Hindu, had been a Hindu. And he tells an amazing story in one of his books. He was giving out pieces of literature and gospels of John on a train. Now, the train of no windows, as we know, people crowded. And a man said, give me one of those. It was a gospel of John. And he took it, and right in front of Evangelist Sundar Singh, he ripped it up and threw it out the window. Sometime later, Sundar Singh was in that area, and he went along to the local church to speak, and there was a man who spoke to him. He said, I was walking along the railway track, and all of a sudden, these bits of paper floated out. And I picked a piece up, and I talked about, I am the bread of life. I am he. And I said, how could a person be bread? How could a man be bread? Doesn't make sense. And then I showed it to people in the village, and they said, oh, that must be from those Christians' book, their holy book. So I found where there were some of these Christian missionaries, and I went along, and I went to the services, and I heard the gospel, and I found Christ. I'm saved. Just think of it. Isn't it amazing what God can do with literature? There's a man in India who was converted in God's providence through someone tearing up the Bible, the gospel of John, and finding a scrap of this chapter. And yet we have the whole Bible here, and so many in Ulster won't accept the gospel. Oh, are you saved tonight? That's why this story is recorded. But just as I finish, I just want to show you this. If you're saved, if you're saved, this is uh, so, so important to point out. Because if you go to verse 56, remember I pointed out, eat. Look at verse 60, 56 in the chapter. It says, he that eateth, see that? What that signifies is continual eating. Continual eating. He that eateth, see that, dwelleth in me and I in him. That's the difference. That's continual. See, eat means you come and receive him, you're saved. How do you keep going in the Christian life? You keep feeding on Christ. This is continual. This is continual. Over in Germany at the end of the war, some of the German children suffered terribly. Dresden, there were more bombs dropped in Dresden in three or four nights than the total bombs dropped in London during the whole Second World War. was obliterated. We knew two missionaries in New Guinea who were born at that time and suffered terribly. Two ladies, neither of them had any hair at all in their bodies because of so malnourished as little babies. But the story is told of some American soldiers who tried this, you know, rounding up orphans, had no food, scavenging. But they found even when they gave them food and they had little beds for them to sleep on, they wouldn't go to sleep. They were fighting sleep. And one man had a great idea. He said, just wait. And he went down to the cook. Would you get a piece of bread, a bap, what we had called it, or a roll? And he gave all those children a roll. And they held it in their little hands. And they all went soundly to sleep. You say, well, why did you do What's behind that? Well, do you not understand why he did that? You see, they had been starving, literally starving. And now they knew, I have bread for tomorrow. You see, if you know Christ, if you come to Christ tonight, by that partaking of him, you'll have eternal life. You say, well, what about the future? How will I live as a Christian? 
Listen, he's the bread of life and he's all you need for tomorrow. All you need to satisfy you and to strengthen you for tomorrow. Do you know what it means? I am the bread of life.